Today we're going to be talking about the power of one decision and how it can influence the lives of others around you. And even from a young age, this can happen. I saw this never to be more true than this past week. We are at our daughter's. So our oldest daughter is three years old, okay? And uh, so we have another one that's new. They were here the last service. My wife is like superwoman right now, carrying one in the car seat, and the other one's having a meltdown, you know? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But, but we have this, our three-year-old Nora is in soccer class. And for me, this is like incredible reality, my dreams being realized, because I grew up playing soccer. I played in college. I've coached high school soccer the last like 10 years or so. And watching her enjoy something that's meant so much to my life is It's just a blast for me. But then there's those moments where you realize your kid is developing into a leader and maybe it's not the way that you would want it to go. So she's doing her little, she's in her little soccer class and she's dribbling from the yellow cones to the blue cones, right? And she's doing a great job and I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, like she's talented. Like this is cool. I'm a super proud dad right now. And then after, you know, doing her thing, she's doing awesome. She just decides that it's time to take a break. So she sits down, crosses her legs in the middle of the field, and then sure enough, all the other kids start doing the same thing. And the coach is like, when did we have mutiny on our hands from these three-year-olds? Then uh, I'm like, Nora, you got to you know, listen to your coach, you know, do what she says, you're doing a great job, you know, all that. And then later in the practice, and the practice is only 30 minutes, so about half the time she's rebelling is what this re- turns out to be. And so uh, she is doing one of the drills. She's, you know, kicking it into the goal. I'm like, yeah, good job, good technique, good form. Like, we're doing awesome here. And then she says, I need a drink. So she leaves the soccer field to come over and get a drink of water, and guess what all the other kids do? They think it's drink break time, and so all the kids, you know, go to their parents, and the coach is like, no, guys, we're still going here. So we've got a little leader on our hand. We need to course correct a little bit. But the truth in that, it, it, it might be a little silly, But there's so much power and influence that comes with the decisions and the convictions we stick by. So whether you're three three years old or 30 years old or somewhere in between, or if you're 80 or 90, the decisions that you make leave a legacy, leave an impact, a ripple effect onto the lives of others. We've seen this throughout human history. We've seen it with the civil rights movement, with Abraham Lincoln and other people who stood by their convictions. We've seen it with Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., the legacy that these people have left, Nelson Mandela, people advocating for human rights. We see somebody like Mother Teresa, who committed her life and her cause to help and care for the sick and the dying, the untouchables. I had the opportunity a few years ago to go to Calcutta and and go into this place where Mother Teresa would do her ministry. And there are people who, who, to this day, because of her legacy, because of her conviction, that travel all around the world to take care of those who are sick and dying in that community. I think of somebody like Tyler Trent. Many of you know the Trent family. Maybe you heard the story of the super fan from Purdue who grew up in the Carmel area. And this young man who was battling illness. But he always found the courage and the strength to go to that next Purdue football game when they beat Ohio State. Man, wasn't that something? And, and, and at the same time, you know, kind of turned people who aren't Purdue fans into Purdue fans because you see this young man so committed that in every opportunity he had to give glory back to Christ. And the decisions that we make, the convictions that we stick by, leave a ripple effect in the lives of others. We've been in this series called From Death to Life, and we've looked at the story of Moses. We looked at his leadership, and then we saw Moses die, and leadership get passed on to Joshua. 
and new realities and new beginnings and all of these things that come with that. But today we're going to focus on a guy named Caleb. Caleb was alive during the time of Moses. Caleb was alive during the time of Joshua. And I really think you're going to be inspired by the story of Caleb, a story of his great faith, a story of sticking strong to your convictions, a story of patience, a story of great reward, and a story of God's faithfulness. And just like you maybe saw in that, that video about men's fight club, man, Caleb was a dude. <laughs> Caleb was a man's man. He probably would have been the first one to run out in the lobby and to sign up to do this thing, right? We learn about this great physical warrior that he was, but we also see this great story of his spiritual strength that he found. But before we get into that story, would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to continue to worship you. God, I pray that through the story of Caleb, that we would see your faithfulness, we would see your goodness, and Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, you would speak into our lives something new that we need to hear, something fresh that we need to hear and apply. God, we love you, we give all the glory to you, it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So if we start in this, with the story of Caleb, we have to go back to the book of Numbers, which is towards the beginning of the Bible, in chapter 13, so Numbers chapter 13 this is before Moses has passed away. So Moses is in leadership, okay? The Israelites have recently been set free from slavery in Egypt. Do you remember, you know, that maybe some of you have seen that iconic clip of, of Charlton Heston playing Moses, let my people go. That's, uh, I don't know if that's how Moses talked in Hebrew, but, uh, but so, so we have that moment where the, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and now they've been set free, and they're in the wilderness, and they're like, what are we supposed to be doing next? God says there's going to be this promised land. We're ready to step into God's promises. We're ready to have our own land and not be nomads. We're ready for this. And so Moses says, we need to get together a representative from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he, he starts forming this group, and he goes, and we're going to go check out this promised land. We're going to go check it out. We're going to go spy out the land and see how awesome it is. And so he's assembling this group of 12 people, and here's where we meet, uh, start to meet Caleb. So it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And, and what we see in verse 6 is from the tribe of Judah, which will be important later. So remember this, from the tribe of Judah, say from the tribe of Judah, Let's do that one more time. From the tribe of Judah. All right, we're awake. Caleb, son of Yephunneh. Yes, that is said correctly. That's a silent J, as they say. Uh, it's the son of Yephunneh. Caleb goes as a representative for the tribe of Judah. That'll be important later. And then what we see in verses 17 through 19, here's what happens next. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, these 12 spies, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether it is good or bad. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or unfortified? Are they fortified? Are they built up? Moses wants them to bring back a report. Sending you guys out for 40 days, bring back a report. But what I want to pay attention to here that's interesting in verse 2, Lord said to Moses, send men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. I'm going to be giving this to you. This is an important thing to remember. So they come back with this report. 
They come back and they want to give a taste of what this promised land that they've been waiting for. Remember, they were enslaved. They were a generation that was enslaved in Egypt. They had wandered into the wilderness for 40 years. They're ready to settle down, right? They're ready for the house and the burbs with the good artisan eats. You know what I mean? Like they're ready to settle down. And here's what we see after 40 days. They come back in verse 26 and 27. They come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Like, this is good stuff. We've never had this before. Like, this is totally new territory. This is so good. This is exactly what the Lord promised. It's so good. It's so fruitful. We we, we can settle here for generations. It's going to be amazing. They had these big metal bars that they would hold all these clusters of grapes on, and they'd give it, have a little taste. This is what's going to be for us. This is going to be so good. Everything's awesome, right? Like, let's go. Let's go do this. But, in verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. This is where the Debbie Downer side picks up. And the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. These descendants of Anak are from, like, this, this group, this tribe of people called the Nephilim, which there's a lot you can read up on Scripture in that. Here's what we do know. These people are huge, giants. And they're looking and they're like, yeah, the, the fruit's pretty good and it's land of milk and honey and all that stuff, but like, did you see the giants? Like, let's not forget that part. Like, there's some big guys there. There's no way we can do this. So now everyone's bummed out. They're giving this report to the community. Everyone's bummed out. Man, we can just not catch a break here. And it reminds me of a time, a uh, very different circumstance, but it reminds me of a time when I moved to the state of Indiana. I was about 25 years old. And uh, I had some friends that were like, do you want to play in this basketball league with us? And I'm like, yeah, I was a backup point guard in high school. Like, let's do this. Like, I got some confidence. Like, let's go. For it. I can dribble the ball and pass it to somebody else. Like, let's go have some fun. And a couple of the guys on our team had played, like, low-level college ball, like NCAA D3 or NAIA. So I'm like, we should be all right. Like, we can do this. So we show up, and we're warming up, you know, getting loose. I'm a lefty, so just, you know, look out in the corner three and uh, that I miss every time. But so we're, we're getting ready. We're warming up. And as any competitor would do, you kind of check out the other team, right? Like, what do they got over there? They're making a couple shots. Like, we should, we should be okay. I'm not too intimidated by this or anything. Like, let's go do this thing. And then with about five minutes left on, like, in warm-ups, um, two guys walk in, and I was like, oh, I hope they're not on that team. And one guy walks in, and uh, his name is Ron Norad. Ron was the uh, point guard for Butler's team when they went to a couple na- national championship you know, games. And then uh, there was a guy who had a, a big sweatshirt on, he had a hoodie on, and he was real tall. And uh, I see him stand up and start taking some shots, and I'm like, oh, that's Gordon Hayward. <laughs> and Gordon Hayward, if you don't know, was a high school basketball legend, hit a buzzer beater, and Brownsburg won the state championship. And then he went on to Butler and, you know, was a huge part of their success. And then, oh, yeah, his been in the NBA All-Star game is pretty, pretty good. And uh, so, anyways, we're getting ready to play some basketball against Gordon Hayward and Ron Norad, and I'm ready to leave. Like, I'm, I'm good, you know, like... 
I, 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 you don't want to see me struggling to you know, dribble the ball up the court when Ron Norad is full court pressing. It, it's bad. It's really a bad sight. And when Gordon Hayward's just around and giving it 10% and just shooting and making everything, and you're giving 110%, it is the most demoralizing moment of my athletic career. I'd say that's the day my athletic career died is because of Gordon Hayward. And we lost by like 60 points in a church league basketball. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, but anyways, we went on to have a good season. Different story for another day. But, uh, but it was so demoralizing. And so I can understand if you see these giants, you know, the feeling I had with six foot eight Gordon Hayward in front of me of saying, I'll pass on the embarrassment. I'll pass on taking this battle. Like, let's just get out of here. That's the mentality of the Israelites. But as we go back to the story, Moses never said, size up yourselves. He said, size up the land. What's there? What's going on? He tells them to give, give a picture of the situation, but he doesn't say, step back in fear. And the story is a great reminder for us, as I believe the Israelites were so focused on these giants that they forgot the fruit that was in their hand. They were so focused on the giants and, and all this scary stuff that was off into the distance that they forgot that God had actually you know, kept them alive in 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and had fed them and had given them this fruit that he promised to them. And there's this reminder, and I think this truth for us today, that we need to shift the focus off of the giants. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's a, a relationship that seems too far gone. Maybe it's a, a situation in your work environment. Maybe it's a tragedy that you just didn't see coming. Maybe it's this old wound that finds its way to fester and back into your life some way or another. But to shift the focus off of the giants. Ten out of the twelve spies brought a pretty gloomy report. But there's still two guys left, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua doesn't really say anything much at this point, but Caleb decides to stand up as one with a different perspective. After everyone is complaining and being, the whole community is bummed out, this is what Caleb does in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Caleb takes the floor. This is, a, this is a picture of his leadership. Remember, he was a chief. He was representing the tribe of Judah, and he goes, everyone be quiet. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. This is literally going against the grain of what the entire community is saying. No, we're bummed out. We saw the giants. You saw them too, Caleb. Like, are you crazy, Caleb? Like, is your vision off? Like, you saw them, right? Yeah. Yeah, we can go do it. Caleb had no doubts. He wants to go do it now. And it's such a reminder as we see Caleb take a stance for his convictions that the Lord had put into his heart, that we need to listen to the convictions that are of the Lord that God puts into your heart. Caleb knew what the Lord had done before. He was looking with the perspective, with God in the picture. He wasn't just looking at the giants. Caleb took the shift and the focus off of the giants and put it back onto the Lord. And it's a great reminder to me, and I think it is to all of us, as Caleb is saying, God said that we get to take this land, and I think he means it. God wasn't playing around. Like, we get to go take this. 
He goes, don't you remember that we saw God lead us as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day? Like, he, he led us through the wilderness. We saw the hand of God bring us out of Egypt. Don't you guys remember this? God, God helped us get through the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea so we could cross it, and he swallowed up Pharaoh and all of his armies. We saw God do the impossible. We saw God provide food for us out of the sky. Like, he was good to us. Like, he, he, we ate that food. We're still standing because he, he fed us just like the other year. Don't you guys remember this? Like, this was amazing. We saw God bring water out of a rock. And I believe that if God can do all of that stuff, he can take this one on too, no matter what the size of these giants are. It's my conviction to bank on God's faithfulness, and I think that's what we should do. Therefore, let's go take the hill. And the truth is, is that Caleb knew that fighting his battles was not just his job. It just wasn't going to be, even though Caleb was... I think what we understand, he was a warrior. He was a bad dude. You know what I mean? But like Caleb knew it wasn't just in his strength. He knew it was only going to be by the strength of the Lord. But what we see in Numbers 31, or 1331, but the men had gone up with him and said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. We talk about influence. There's a reverse side of that too, right? Where you can pull people away from God. You can pull people away from truth. You can pull people away uh, towards a negative report. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers, like Brandon Faust trying to guard Gordon Hayward. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We can't do this. And then it gets really nasty. In chapter 14, now the Israelites are saying, Aaron, Moses, Caleb, and Joshua, we should just stone them. We should just get rid of them. These guys are terrible leaders. The Lord ends up protecting those guys. But he also lets the Israelites go their own way, make their own choice. And here's the result of their disobedience, what we see in Numbers 14, 34. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. God wasn't playing around. He said, I wanted you to take the hill. Go take the hill. And so out of those 12 guys from the tribes that went to spy out the land... Ten of them get struck down with these plagues. For the rest of Israel, the rest of people in, in the generation of adults, in Caleb, that, that Caleb generation, they are not going to be able to step foot into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua will, but the rest of their peers are going to die off. A lost generation. Well, fast forward to 45 years. How many of you... <clears throat> no shame here. How many of you are under the age of 40? How many of you are not under the age of 40? Okay. So fast forward. Caleb's 40 years old. Fast forward 45 years. And we have this moment between Caleb and Joshua. 
the only two older men left in the community. Everyone else has died off. Sitting on the front porch, drinking their unsweetened tea. Back in our day. Verse 6 says this, Now the, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Yephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. In case you forgot, Joshua, I'm going to remind you. I was 40 years old when the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Remember this, Joshua? I didn't go the way of everyone else. I'm the one who stood up while you kind of sat there and were silent. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. And this is not Caleb bragging. He's just stating it how it is. We remember, Joshua, this was kind of a significant event in the history of Israel where this generation dies off. We get preserved because we didn't do it God's way. But I stood my ground. I stuck by my convictions. And now I've waited patiently on the Lord. I was told by Moses... And Moses carries some authority that I would have some land. I'm ready for that. I've walked around in the wilderness. I've watched all of my friends and my relatives die off for my generation. Your boy's ready to settle down at 85. I'm ready for the land. And what we see in, in verse 9 is, So on that day Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance in that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years young. The Lord has kept me alive for some reason. And here's why. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that then the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. You see, the Israelites, they had started taking some of this promised land. It would have been easy for Joshua to say, Caleb, why don't you just go take something we've already conquered? But Caleb goes, no. There was a battle, there was a hill that we were supposed to take 45 years ago, and I may be old, but here's the truth. If God was going to do all the heavy lifting then, I believe he's going to do it again today. I'm ready to go up the hill. I'm ready for my kids and my grandkids to have this place to settle. I'm ready for you, to, you know, the Lord to make good on his promise, so let me at him. Let me charge the hill. Let me fight this battle that we were supposed to fight. And what we see in Joshua 15 is Caleb's victorious. God just goes before them and wipes their, these giants out, topples them down. And it's a reminder through the story of Caleb that God never forgets his promises. God never forgets his promises. Caleb may have felt overlooked, like God had forgotten about him. Can you imagine waiting 45 years for something? 
I don't want to wait four minutes. <laughs> 45 years of waiting. Can you imagine even thoughts that might creep into his head once in a while? Caleb was the one who spoke up, not Joshua right away, and he got to be in charge, not me. Can you imagine some of the wrestling that happened? You got some time to think while you're wandering around for 40 more years because of the decision somebody else made, not the decision you made, because of the decision someone else made. Caleb may have felt abandoned as he lost friends and loved ones, as he watched his, some of these spies die from this plague because they didn't follow the Lord. But here's what we know about Caleb. He's mentioned only like six times in the Bible. And after every reference to him comes this phrase, he was a man who wholeheartedly followed the Lord. What's amazing is Caleb decided to grow in faithfulness, not bitterness. And I think there's for some of you who've maybe been waiting for a long time for a situation to shift or change, for a trial to end, I want to remind you that we have a choice, even in broken situations, to either grow in faithfulness or to grow in bitterness. You can grow in faithfulness in the Lord. You can grow in faithfulness and trust in others, or you can grow bitter towards God and others. Maybe some of you are in this room and there is a trial that you didn't sign up for. There's something that's happening with a loved one or a dear friend that, that you could never imagine. There's some of these things that you didn't opt into. There's some of you who are mad at God because of it, and he understands. He sees you. He saw Caleb when he was probably disappointed and frustrated. And he sees you when you're disappointed and frustrated. You may feel God has forgotten you, but I want you to know that he sees you. He saw Caleb. He had a great plan for Caleb. He's got a great plan for your life. And so how can you choose in that situation, how can you choose faithfulness over bitterness? We also see in the story of Caleb that the reward was worth it. The reward is worth it. For Caleb, the reward was worth the struggle and the trials and the uphill battles and the barren deserts. The Lord was faithful to deliver his promise. He honored Caleb's conviction. He honored Caleb's commitment to him. And if we're just being, you know, all cards on the table honest, on this side of heaven... There, will be, there may not be a reward. For the thing you're enduring, for your faithfulness, there may not be this hill country waiting for you, for you and your relatives to go settle into. And that, that kind of bums me out. But what's amazing is what we see in the story of Caleb is God is saying, I'm going to provide the way I'm going to provide the inheritance. I just need you to trust me. I just need you to go with me. And what's amazing is what we see here is this beautiful picture that one day, from the line of Judah, would come a Savior. The line of Judah that Caleb and it's believed that his father wasn't even actually an Israelite, that he got grafted into the family of God. 
That didn't happen a lot in the Old Testament. And Caleb represents the tribe of Judah. Caleb is the one who stands by his convictions. Can you imagine if he just decided not to speak up in that moment? What would have happened? We don't know. But we do know this, that the line of Judah is the line in which King David came from. The tribe of Judah is the line in which a Messiah was promised to come from, this royal line that God was preparing. And Jesus paved the way for something even better than the hillside. (laughs) That through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through his sinless life, death on the cross, and resurrection, that there's an eternal reward awaiting those who are in Christ. And I just want you to know this reward that was worth it for Caleb is such a foreshadowing of the reward that is worth it to go God's way, for him to bring us in every way from death to life and the eternity that's promised for those that are in Christ. 1 John 5.11 says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. New life is available. An inheritance bringing us from death to life starting today in this life, breathing all, new life into the broken situations. Revelation 21, 4 through 7. For those of you who are going through it right now, for those of you who are doubting God, for those of you who are struggling, for those of you who feel hopeless, and for those of you who maybe are feeling awesome today, know this is what awaits for those that are in Christ. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. In this life, you're going to take some body punches. You're going to stand in the ring, and you're going to get worn down. There's going to be some things that sneak up on you in this life. A diagnosis, a secret that's revealed, whatever it might be. But the truth is that a better day awaits. And I just want to remind some of you who are feeling beat up that there's spiritual victories still in front of you. There are more giants to slay. There's more hills to take. There's more transformation that can happen in your life and the lives of those around you. Your difficult past has no authority over you. God is making all things new. And we get to join into that. Join in with the one that can, is the only one that can bring things from death to life, from broken to whole. For others of you, I, 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 you need to know today that your best days aren't behind you. Some of you have had incredible spiritual growth and incredible spiritual moments and mountaintop moments 10 years ago, five years ago. And you might be saying, like, Lord, where are you now? I just want you to know Caleb waited 45 years and his moment was when he was 85. 
So whether you're under 40 or over 40, what's that spiritual victory, that spiritual battle that's still in front of you the Lord is preparing you for right now? Through the season of trial, through the brokenness, through the, the, the challenges, how is God actually preparing you for that next hill to climb? And the question for all of us today, whether you've known Christ for 40 years or whether you're just curious about Jesus, is what is it going to mean for you to wholeheartedly follow after the Lord today? There's power in a decision. There's ripple effects in a decision that you make. And to Caleb, when he stood with those spies and he said, I'm sticking with my conviction, it left a ripple effect into history, into the line of Judah. Can you imagine the freedom he felt when he stood up on that hilltop with all the Anakites dead around him? And he said, this is going to be our land. This is going to be our future. The wait was worth it. And even greater than that hill country that Caleb experienced, there will be a day where we get to stand in the presence of our Heavenly Father, where we see Jesus on his throne. And we'll look back at this life and we're like, man, that was hard times. It's so worth it now. No more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Wholeness in Christ. There's power in a decision. And so what will you decide today? Will you decide in your heart that God never forgets his promises, that he hasn't forgotten you? Will you decide in your heart to grow in faithfulness over bitterness, even though it's going to be tough? Will you decide in your heart that the reward, the reward will be worth the trial? Will you decide in your heart that spiritual victories are still in front of you? And God may be just using this season to prepare you for them. For some of you, Maybe for the first time, you need to make that decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I acknowledge my sin before him. I want to follow his ways. I want to go from brokenness to wholeness. I want to go from death to life. I want new life in him today. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins with our mouth, he's faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness. In a very moment of declaring Jesus as Lord, making that one decision that will ripple into eternity for your life, but maybe for the lives of others too. Would you pray with me? God, as we see this story of Caleb, we see a story of, God, your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your mercy. And Lord, what we see in Caleb's response is that he grew in faithfulness, not bitterness. We see that he pointed back glory to you. We see that the reward was worth the trial, Lord. And I just want to pray, God, over the every single person in this room, whatever they're up against, whatever feels like a giant, whatever feels like the Anakite in their life, Lord, I pray that they would know and experience um, your, your truth, your love, that you are with them, that you are for them, that you have not left them alone. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling discouraged, that their spiritual highlights are behind them, Lord, that they would know that you're preparing them for something good, that we would just step into that like Caleb did at 85 years old. Lord, I want to ask for those in this room who are spiritually just seeking you out. As they're asking questions, that they maybe have some doubts, Lord. I pray that they would know this, that you love them, that you're for them, that you've always seen them, 
and that new life is made available through Jesus Christ. Through a sinless life, his death on the cross and his resurrection, breaking the, the stronghold of, and the power of, uh, of sin that the enemy has on this world, Lord. That through Jesus, we can experience eternal life and eternal reward starting today. And we just simply say to you, if, if anyone in the room wants to give their life to Jesus, just say, Jesus, I, I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. I acknowledge my sin before you. I need you. I believe that you're the son of God. Make my life new today. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. And pray, Lord, that you would just, Holy Spirit, continue to minister to us as we sing together the song of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.